0: Well, church, what a privilege it is to gather on this very special day. And I am so thankful to have the opportunity to say to all the moms in the room, to all the moms joining us, happy Mother's Day. Would y'all help me give it up for all the moms saying happy Mother's Day. We are grateful for you. We love you, moms. Thanks for putting up with us. Thanks for all that you've done, man. I have such a a tremendous blessing of having an incredible mom. I love my mom. Uh, I'm a huge fan of my mama. In fact, we got a picture, I think, show. This is me and my mom. She is an incredible, incredible lady, Uh, an amazing mom to three boys. I'm the oldest of three boys. And man, we put her through the ringer. And she's still standing. And she was, she was the mom that said, hey, if the boys are gonna do it, I'll jump right in. I mean, she would sit in a deer stand with us. She would go to all the games. She would wash all the nasty, sweaty jerseys and all the things that went along with that. She was such a servant to us, loved us so much and cared for us so much. In fact, I'll, I'll say this, it wasn't until college that I realized that sandwiches don't come cut in four triangles. I mean, every sandwich I ever ate was just always perfect. It was delicious and it was in four triangles. My, my mom was the mom that just wanted to be involved, wanted to be around when, when, when the dudes would come over and hang out at our house. My mom would be up at midnight cooking fresh cookies for us. I mean, that's just the mom that she was. And when I, when I was uh, wrestling in high school, I was on the wrestling team and man, we had to go through all this ridiculous stuff to weigh in. You have this hard practice at night. You can't go home and eat anything because you got to be as light as possible the next morning to weigh in before a match. And we're like, we're like spitting in a cup and doing all these dumb things that you shouldn't do. But we were trying to lose that extra couple ounces, you know, before we had to weigh in. My mom would show up at my high school with a hot homemade breakfast so that when I got off the scale after weighing for the wrestling match, I could eat as much as possible. I mean, that's just who my mom was. She was amazing. And so I know many of you have story after story about your mom and about the things they've done for you and the way they've blessed you and cared for you. And so moms, we love you. And we're, we're so thankful that we have a day where we get to celebrate you like this. But at the same time, I realize a day where a lot of people are celebrating also has a way of magnifying the grief that some others are feeling. It's that strange dynamic. As some celebrate, there's others who grieve. And that may be you today. And, and if that's you, I just want you to know we're, we're so grateful to have the opportunity to, to be with you on this day. We're praying for you. And I, I want to have a special prayer for you in just a moment. But I know this day represents loss for some of you. I, I know this day is a reminder of hardship. A reminder of, of, of things that have been broken. I know for some of you, this day represents a day where, where dreams have not been realized or, or prayers seem to go unanswered year after year. I know some of you have a desire to be a mom and that's, that's something that has not happened yet for you. And, and there can be grief there and there can be challenge there. And I'm so grateful that God meets us in the midst of it all. He knows the detail of every story. He knows the detail of everything that you're walking through. And as a church, we want you to know we consider it a privilege to come alongside you in the celebration and... In the challenge. And our team here at Shades through, through the leadership of, of Sarah Kent and our preschool has put together several care groups that, that some of you may want to, to participate in or, or be a part of. We, we've got a brand new infertility group. We've got a brand new miscarriage group. I know some of you, that's your story and you feel all alone in that. And we just want you to know we're here for you. We want to come alongside you in any way that we can. And so you may want to to look into these groups or get a little bit more information. What what I'd like to do though, before we even step into the word of God this morning is I just want to pray. I want to pray for all the moms. I also want to pray for all those who, who are walking through a difficult time on this day. And so let's just go before the Lord right now and let's have a word of prayer here on Mother's Day. Pray with me. Father, it is... An incredible gift to know that regardless of what we are walking through, not only do you see us and understand more than we can understand, but you know us and you care for us. And so Lord, in the midst of celebration, Lord, I pray that that, that you would encourage uh, the moms that are here and and let them feel your presence and and your grace in their life. And and Lord, we are so grateful that we get to celebrate. It is such a joy to give honor where honor is due. And each and every one of our moms are worthy of honor. We thank you for, for what you've given us through them. We know they're not perfect, but Lord, we know that you have blessed our lives by giving us that gift of motherhood. And at the same time, Lord, we know there are some today who this day really represents grief. It represents loss. It it represents some pain And Lord, I'm so grateful that that you are the God who comes alongside of us in our celebration and also in our sorrow. And you know what we need. And there is grace that is sufficient for this day. And so I pray, Lord God, for those who are struggling here today on Mother's Day or, or who see this day as something other than a celebration. Lord, I pray your hand of blessing on their lives. I pray that they would feel your presence and your comfort and your kindness in the midst of this day. And we thank you for being with us through it all. And we pray that every mom that is here with us today would feel loved and encouraged and blessed. And we are thankful for your love over us all. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let me ask you if I can to go ahead and grab your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to grab one of the Bibles that are around you in the seat back there, right in front of you. Go ahead and join me in the book of 1 Peter. We are in the midst of a series walking through the book of 1 Peter. We're gonna step right into that again here this morning. We're in the midst of chapter one of 1 Peter and we're gonna be picking up right where we left off last week in verse 17. And so if you're grabbing one of those Bibles out of the seats, the page is going to be, the page number is going to be up on the screen. And I do want to say too, hey, if you don't have a Bible at home, grab one of those Bibles in the back of the seat and take that with you. Let that be our gift to you. We want you to see with your own eyes what the Word of God is saying, and we want you to have a copy of God's Word to be able to turn to at any point. First Peter chapter one is laying before us this, this introduction, if you will, in this letter, as the Apostle Peter writes, divinely inspired by the Spirit of God, to the early church. And he calls them a, a very interesting name at the beginning of this letter. He says to those who are in the early church, you are exiles. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He says, you are strangers living in a foreign land. And certainly that's true today in the church. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are strange compared to the rest of the world around you. In fact, why don't you just look at your neighbor real quick and say, hey, you're strange. Go ahead and do that. Turn to your neighbor, you're strange. Not you look strange. Don't say that. That's not nice. It's Mother's Day. You're supposed to say you look beautiful, but you're strange. And Peter is writing this letter, communicating to the church that in the world you live in, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, your life is going to be different from the world around you. You're going to have received something that the rest of the world has not experienced. And what you have received in the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross and in the power of his resurrection, it's going to change your story altogether. It's going to give you a new story. It's going to give you a new identity because of what Christ has done. And as a result, the way that you live in the world around you, it's going to look Different, And we see that as this letter continues. We, we step right back in here in, in verse 17. And, and in the verses we're considering this morning, Peter uses that word exile again. And he's showing us if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, a disciple of Christ, your life is gonna look different. It's gonna be lived different than the world around you. I'm gonna show you what I'm talking about here in these verses, but first I'd like to invite you if you're willing and able to stand with me as I read God's word. And this is something we do each week at Shades. If you're new to Shades, we're so glad that you are here. And we, we want you to know, we stand for the reading of God's word so that we can be reminded that this is our foundation. We stand on the unchangeable, inerrant, solid rock word of God. And as we turn our attention to God's word, we are turning our attention to what God says is right and good and true. So listen to the word of the Lord, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 17. The scripture says, "'If you call on him as father, "'who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, "'conduct yourselves with fear "'throughout the time of your exile.'" knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. This is the word of the Lord. And as we consider God's word together, I want to just have a prayer over us all that we would see what God wants us to see and then we'll be seated. So let me pray for us. Father, use your word, use this Holy Scripture uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit to speak into our lives on this day what we need to see. Thank you for bringing us this place. Thank you for laying your word before us. Bring it to life in our story today, Lord. Your word is living and active. And so we ask that your word would do work in us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. There is a doctrinal statement about God that I want to lay before you at the beginning of this message. This is a a doctrinal statement that actually is gonna show up in the verses that we're looking at, a statement about who God is and what God has done and continues to do that gives us insight about God that that we really need to hear. But when I say this statement about God, I just want to ask you to consider how does it hit you? What, what do you? what do you feel when I make this statement? What do you hear when I say this statement? This is one of those statements that, that for some, it is incredibly comforting. For some though, it's, it's actually terrifying. And it's one of those statements that there are some who just said, you know, I would rather not think about that at all. Here's the doctrinal statement about God. God is just. God is just. He is a God of justice. How does that hit you? Is that good news? Is that a frightening thing to consider? Is that something you'd just rather ignore altogether and say, I'm not really sure I want my mind to go there. God is just. Is that a comforting thought? Is that a scary thought? What we see all throughout the word of God is is this about the justice of God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are one who has placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your savior by grace through faith, you have received the gift of salvation. This, this statement about God being just, it is an, an incredibly comforting statement because it's a statement that reminds you of what God has done on your behalf through the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. It's a statement that reminds you that that, that your God cannot turn a blind eye to sin. He deals with sin. And if you are a follower of Christ, you you know that the way God has dealt with your sin is he has sent his son, Jesus Christ to the cross on your behalf to take your sin and what your sin deserves on his back at the cross. And that means if, if you're in Christ, it is really good news that God is just. Really good news. It shows how how much God loves you. It, It shows the length that God was willing to go to demonstrate his love for you. It is good news that God is just. Because if you're in Christ, you stand justified in the sight of a holy and righteous God. The Apostle Paul writes about this with great clarity in Romans chapter 3. I want to turn your attention real quickly to Romans 3. We're we're going to come back to 1 Peter in just a moment, but we're we're setting up where we're going here. And, And what we see in Romans chapter 3 is this beautiful explanation about the power of the justice of God on display through the cross of Christ and in the power of his resurrection. Romans 3, beginning in verse 23, it says it this way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That that all there, when you you translate in the original language, it means all. That's what it means in in the Greek, the Hebrew, the the, the Chinese, the the Japanese, the, the Spanish. It means all. That is what the scripture is saying here. All have sinned. All falls short of the glory of God. The gospel levels the playing field. Every single one of us is is on the same playing field because we all have sin in our lives. And then the, the, the verses continue with this beautiful good news. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and, verse 24, are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, another word for payment, by his blood to be received by faith. And then listen to what... The scripture says here, this was to show God's righteousness, God's justice, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was also to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just. That's who God is, just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, again, how does this statement hit you? God is just. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this doctrinal statement that says God is just, this is a comforting, comforting statement because it shows the love of God for you that in his justice, he has done for you what you could never do for yourself. And he has paid the price that your sins deserve while at the same time rescuing you Redeeming you, restoring you to a right relationship with Him, because the justice came through His life being given at the cross. He is just and He is the justifier. This is good news. But there's actually even more good news in, in the statement about being God being just if you are a follower of Jesus. Because not only do we see that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that shows us the justice of God as sin is paid for and shows us the length that God was willing to go to pay the price for that sin so that justice could be served and we could be made right with God. That's good news. But we also see, because God is just, all evil will be dealt with. Because God is just, we can stand confident as the people of God. If you are a follower of Christ, you are part of the people of God. We can stand confident as the people of God that justice will be served in all things. Justice will be served for every wrong that has ever been committed. Justice will be served for every wrong that has ever been done against you. Justice will be served. Everyone will give an account to a holy, righteous, just God. In the book of Romans, we also see in chapter 12, verse 19, the Apostle Paul says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God is just. No one gets away with anything in the sight of a holy God. Now, if you're in Christ, this is really, really good news. All evil's going to be dealt with. God's love has been displayed for you, and that your evil was dealt with. Your sin has been forgiven. God, God has gone to great lengths to show you his love by offering you grace and forgiveness and mercy through the cross of Christ, through, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Your sins are covered. You are, you are called new. You are called righteous in the sight of God. God is just and he is the justifier. This is great news. But if you're keeping your distance from God, this may hit you a little different. If you're you're one who's trying to justify yourself in the sight of God, this may hit you a little different. God is just, which means everyone will give an account for everything they have done, everything they have said, everything they have thought. God sees all, he knows all. I'll just ask you, do you want to stand before a God who is just and give an account for your life? I know I don't. And I'm a pastor wearing pink shoes on Mother's Day. Like, I don't want to stand before a holy God and try to justify some of the things I've done and thought and said, some of the things I've seen. I don't want to give an account for my life. If I have to give an account for my life based on my effort, I'm in trouble. So how does this hit you? Is it good news that God is just Is it sobering news that God is just? Is it terrifying news that God is just? If you are in Christ, the judgment of God and the justice of God, please don't miss this, it's already been served. If you are in Christ, because of what Jesus Christ has done for you at the cross, above your head is not a halo. But there's a sign, there's a sign above your head in the sight of God that says, paid in full. That one's mine. That's my boy, that's my girl. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you that you have received as a gift is good news that God is just. And Peter is talking about this good news and he is, he's writing to the church and saying, this good news should impact the way you live. Remember, because you are, you are a stranger in a foreign land as a follower of Jesus. And so when you're reminded of the justice of God, when you're reminded of, of the fact that justice has been served on your behalf through the cross, it should impact the way that you live so we see in verse 17, Peter says, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear through the time of your exile. Peter says, God, the father judges impartially. I really believe on this Mother's Day that Peter is saying to all of us, hey, God ain't like your mama. Now your mama's awesome, but your mama is very partial. I mean, we've seen some of those pictures and she looked at you and thought you were cute. (laughs) Only mamas can do that, right? And even when you do some crazy things, she's still like, oh, my boy, he's such a good boy. No, you're not. I mean, every convict on death row has a mom who's like, oh, he's such a good boy. Moms are very partial Oftentimes. But Peter's reminding us our heavenly father, he he does see it all. And he doesn't judge with partiality. He's actually impartial. He knows it all. He, he brings about real justice that is not biased, that does not turn the blind eye. He sees it all, knows what you have done. And if you call him heavenly father, and if he is your savior and your Lord, you have reason to stand in awe before him every single day. That's what Peter's talking about here. If if you believe that God is just and you believe that, that justice has been served through the cross of Christ and in the power of his resurrection that makes you a new creation, calls you by a new name, invites you into the family of God, then you should live, Peter says, in fear, which translated means in awe of what God has done. He's not saying you're to, to, to constantly run around afraid of the shoe dropping on you. That's not, that's not what he's saying at all. No, he's saying you're to be in awe, to be amazed, to live in wonder at who God is and what he has done. I, I was thinking about it this week. The, the, the words of the classic hymn kept coming to my mind. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That's a song of awe, a song of wonder, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How in the world could the grace of God be that good, that sufficient that it saved a wretch like me? That's amazing. My God is awesome. So grateful for what he has done. And that means that no matter what I'm walking through today, No matter what I face this week, no matter what news I hear or information that comes my way that feels so overwhelming, I know that in all things, I have an awesome God. And I've been saved by an amazing grace. And it is an incredible thing to know that I'm a part of his family, that I've been set free by the one who is just and the justifier. Are you living with this sense of awe? Church, are you living with a sense of wonder at the incredible gift that God has given you through Jesus Christ? Are are we living our lives in awe of what God has done? Because we're we're to live different than the world around us. We're strangers in a foreign land. Does the world around us see that we are in awe of what we have received or does the world around us look and go, oh man, they're just like everybody else. They just complain like everybody else. They're just afraid like everybody else. They're just worried like everybody else. They just go with the flow like everybody else. They just call themselves Christians, but there's really nothing different about them. Or is there an awe and wonder and amazement Who God is and what He has done. I love the way Paul Tripp writes about this in his book called Awe, A W E. He says, This awe of God will make you feel small, and that is good because that is what you are. Awe of God will make you feel unworthy for the task, it will confront you with a healthy inability. I like that phrase. He writes, Not only does that sense produce a trust in God's wisdom, power, and grace, it also makes you humble, approachable, patient, kind, passionate, and willing. When you are blown away by the glory of the Savior and his cross, you will be driven to that cross for the character and strength you need to represent the Savior well in the lives of those around you. Are you amazed? and what you have been given in Christ? Do you live with an awe that people see and think there's something, there's something different about that one? Something a little strange about the way they're walking through that season because of this awe that is there. We go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Peter continues to build on this. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, I love what Peter does here. Because he's showing us an even deeper significance in the good news of the gospel as it relates to generational cycles. Generational sin, we could call it. And he's saying here that the gospel has the power to break the cycle of sin that you and I have inherited from our forefathers. Now, this is really, really good news. I would venture to guess that some of you here today, you, you, you look back on, on, on your family heritage or, or your upbringing and you go, I, I don't really want to repeat what I experienced. I don't want to repeat what, what I received. I mean, some of you, I know you think about your family of origin and you go, I, I want there to be a different story. And yet, here's the reality. Here's the reality. The majority of the time, what happens? History just repeats itself. And that pattern of of sin that, that was your your dad's story, your grandfather's story, your mom's story, your grandmother's story, that all of a sudden just becomes your story. History repeats itself. And and yet all of us together, we would say, hey, we don't want to make the same mistakes that the generation before us made and and passed down to our family. We We want a new story for our family going forward. And Peter is saying, there can be a new story. There can be a new story. There there is good news in the gospel that ransoms you from the feudal ways of your forefathers and gives you a new story. You can be rescued out of that generational cycle of sin, but the only way it can happen is through the blood of the lamb. It can't be bought with silver and gold, And don't we look around and see how people are trying to buy a new story all the time? I mean, that's the norm in our culture. If only I could buy this, if only I could acquire that, if only I could have that like those people do, then I'd have a new story. But the problem is the cycle just continues. We just have more things to demonstrate the cycle of sin. Peter's saying, look, this can't be bought with silver and gold. It, it can only be bought by the blood of the lamb. And, and, and when Peter writes this, this would immediately stir up the memory of those who were reading this letter. Those first followers of Jesus, this, this first edition, if you will, of the early church. They would, they would hear the blood of the lamb and they would go back to a moment in their history the moment right before the Exodus. You can read about this in Exodus chapter 12. And I I would recommend that you do. It's the moment of the Passover where where the the people of God have been in bondage. They've been in slavery in the land of Egypt for generations and and God through, through his prophet Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, okay, it's time for a new story. It's time for my people to be set free. And yet Pharaoh has a hard heart. So God uses Moses to perform these incredible miracles as as plagues begin to come to the land of Egypt. And every time a new plague would come for a moment, Pharaoh would go, okay, maybe, maybe I am gonna let the people go. And then he would stop and his heart would grow harder. And he would say, no, the people are staying. The people work for me. The people belong to me. They're not gonna have a new story. And so finally in Exodus 12, we we come to a moment right before the the tenth and the final plague that is sent to the people of Egypt through through the angel of God, so that the people will be let go. And it's it's a horrible thing to consider. The tenth plague is the plague of death, specifically the death of the firstborn in every household throughout Egypt. And certainly this is going to be something that finally gets Pharaoh's attention once and for all and turns his heart to say, Okay, fine, you you can leave. The people of God can go. But before this plague of death sweeps through the land in Egypt. God sends uh, an angel of the Lord to, to Moses to say, okay, here's what the people of God must do before the angel of the Lord comes through and all of the firstborn are killed in Egypt. The people of God, they must make a sacrifice. Read this in Exodus 12. They must sacrifice a lamb, a spotless, unblemished lamb. And with the blood of that lamb, they're there to paint the doorpost of their house so that when the angel of the Lord comes through, the angel of the Lord will see the blood, know that the sacrifice has been made, know that the lamb has been slain and the angel of the Lord will pass over that house. That house will be spared. But please don't miss this. Not only will that house be spared, that family will be given a new story. This is incredible what Peter does. He's saying the gospel has the power and the authority to change the story altogether, to break the cycle of sin that went from one generation to the next and to create a new story for this new life that has been born, this new creation that has come, that has been justified in the sight of God and wherever the blood of the lamb is, not only is there salvation, there is an invitation to a new story. And you can read it in Exodus, the people of God, they, they are able to go free. They are, they are able to become again the, this, this, this beautiful nation as they, as they trust in the provision of God over some time. I realize you may be here today and you're, you're wrestling with the story that you've lived or wrestling with the story that you inherited, wrestling with, with some baggage from the past, wrestling with some pain that has been inflicted on you through, through generational sin. And I realize you may be longing for a new story. Please hear this. You, you can't buy a new story but you can receive by grace through faith, the gift of a new story. You can be ransomed and rescued by the blood of the lamb. That's the good news of the cross. The perfect Lamb of God, the ultimate final sacrifice, was given at the cross so that that when Christ died, the the perfect spotless blood of the Lamb, the, the, the blood of the one who had no sin, was spread over the life of those who trust and receive by faith. Is that your story? This is the invitation of the gospel to not only be saved and forgiven, but to be given a new story, to be ransomed from the futile ways of your forefathers and to be covered in the blood of the lamb and called new. Here's where we'll end today, and I'll wrap this up. Verse 20 and 21 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter writes this of, of Jesus and, and what God has done to, to provide this invitation to a new story. He says, He was. Foreknown before the foundation of the world. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. And this is so incredibly beautiful. What Peter has done is because he's saying to the people, listen, Jesus was the plan from the beginning Jesus has been the plan all along It was about Jesus. It is about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. This is your only hope. And every generation needs to hear this because every generation wants to come up with a new version of a story or a new version of how to be made right with God. And every generation wants to chase after different things. And every generation thinks they know more than the previous generation. And yet, Peter is saying, no, no, no. This has been the plan all along. Jesus is the plan. Jesus will always be the plan. If you want to be made new, if you want to be forgiven, if you want to be saved from the futile ways of your forefathers, if you want to be justified in the sight of God, Jesus is the plan. So put your faith and put your hope in him. Jesus is the plan. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Does your life reveal that he is the savior of your story? Let me pray for us as we close wrap up our time. Father, I'm I'm so grateful, so grateful for your word, so grateful for the beauty that is revealed through the power of your spirit as we turn to the scripture and see that all of this story, all of this story points us to the hope that we can have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Lord, I pray today, for those who have been wrestling with things from their past, Lord, I pray that they would see this invitation to a new story through the power of the gospel. For those who have been feeling overwhelmed, Lord, I I pray that they would see the hope that is ours through Jesus Christ. For for, for those who have been concerned about trying to, to appear justified or, or trying to, to somehow live in such a way that they can prove they're worthy. Lord, I pray that they would see that there is such good news in the finished work of Christ as the justifier. I pray that we would trust you at your word. And I pray that our lives would be a reflection of, of the good news of who you are and what you've done. And Father, as we close this time, I do ask, I do plead on behalf of any who may be among us who may be listening to my words right now that does not yet know you as Savior and Lord, has yet to receive the gift, of the hope, of the finished work of Jesus Christ, Lord, I beg, I plead with you, would you you open their eyes to see, to see this good news, to see what you have done as the God who is just, to see what you have offered them to be forgiven, to be made new, to, to be set apart as a new creation, as a part of your family. Lord, to be covered in grace. I pray that they would see, that they would know, that they would trust in this good news. And I pray that our life would never be the same because of what Jesus Christ has done. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.